everyone, it's Gwen. Welcome to my porch. Come on up, even though we're still social distancing here and maybe out of quarantine soon. I'm recording this at the end of April of the year 2020. So bring your best libations, your best drinks, and a few individually wrapped snacks, and head up to, on up to my porch. Tonight I'm going to be talking about popping off. Oh, you know, this quarantine, some people do great at it. And for some people, it's been a bit of a uh, ragged ride. And anybody who's still trying to deal with a narcissist in their life, especially if you are trying to co-parent in this time, all the same stuff, all the same dynamics are going to be there. And then fear and anxiety, not just about the COVID-19, but about a lot of other issues are coming up. And one of them I think we find is people are trying to exercise a different sense of control from that. And then I think that we're also trying to find a sense of trust in other people. And when when you've been with a narcissist, any kind of narcissist, remember, narcissism now has to even have its own special labels for people, malignant, sociopathic, whatever. When you've been with a narcissist, you know they're all about control, doing anything they can so that they feel like they're in control, they're best, they know it all. And it's usually not based on a less scientific stuff. It's just based on their thoughts, their feelings to make them feel powerful or whatever stink of crazy they're in at the moment. And it's, you can't trust them. I was going to say it's very hard to trust them, but you really can't, can't trust them. So in the episode today, I'm going to share with you some emails from NIM dealing with uh, the usual discord. I'll also be sharing with you a more cautionary tale and something very personal to me, and that is my, the tale of my autoimmune disease and how it developed and how I believe that it's probably linked to stress. And I I don't want any of you guys listening to have to be stressed to the point where you're so traumatized that you have adrenal fatigue and you end up getting really sick and staying sick and all of this. So let's not pop off even if everybody else is. Okay, so settle back. We're about to begin. How many of you have your email boxes exploding with messages from the narcissist that you used to belong to, but you have liberated yourself from, or you were in the process of liberating from them? I know my my mailbox is, is popping off and ding, 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 a couple days a week now with some different fighting words, them some fighting words. 
So as this happens, if you want to, and you haven't done so already, you could set up a separate email box that is just for correspondence between you and that narcissist for co-parenting things, anything that you guys are still uh, negotiating about, any of that crazy stuff. That way it doesn't come up in your email box when you're trying to work, online shop, just look and see what's interesting going on, look at newsletters from some different people or places in the world that you enjoy. So I try to only check my email box that's specific for communications with NIM once a week. <laughs> Sometimes I check it twice a week or, again, a little bit more if there is some rumbling going on. If I can tell that he's trying to challenge me to a duel of some sort. So let me read you some of the emails that I've gotten lately. And you guys are so good to kind of hang in there. I know that reading the emails kind of slows us down just a little bit. And, and sometimes it may be hard to follow back and forth. But oh, I'm trying to look on here to see see what I might have missed. Okay, it's still loading. All right, I've got it on here. So you may remember a little while ago that... Nim was unsure about if he was going to be taking Brooke and Brea and how he was going to work everything out since school closed. And he was really wanting to, as he said, resume some normal visits. But at the end of many of his emails, he says, but I'll be contacting you further because things always change and I don't know. So on, on a Thursday, a couple weeks ago, I wrote to him, the pediatrician approved the referral for a dermatologist for Big B. I was able to get an appointment for her, such and such day, such and such place. And he writes me back. You know, and it's so random because he attaches it to an email that's about a dermatologist visit. And then he, he attaches this. Mm, looks like three hours later. Look, I said I was going back to the school. And I'm going to say it, shed duel, because that's how it is uh, written here. S-C-H-E-D-U-A-L. Shed duel. And I like that because uh, he's challenging me to a duel. I didn't think I was going to reconfirm R-E, the new word, confirm every time. I will be there to pick them up at four. They both cause issues every time I pick them up. Big B is trying to control everything again. So, at that point, he was to be picking them up in about three hours from then, and they were in school at the time. So I, I sent him an email back about... Mm, Maybe two, three hours later, because Bigby came to me and told me she was very upset that her father was messaging her and she was in technically in school. And I'll explain that to you through some of the emails. So I write back to him and I said, I did not receive an email that you were coming today. Your last communication to me about schedules was for last weekend. 
There's nothing specific about resuming Thursdays in your email. Actually, your last email chain that even mentions that you don't want Thursdays. It mentions that you don't even want th or Thursdays, that you wanted to switch to a Friday. Most of your emails also include a mention of something like, things will change, or things will probably change, so I will be in contact to let you know. You need to be specific. If you wanted to pick up the girls this Thursday, you should have mentioned it specifically. You are not clear. Your communications are not consistent and not specific enough. And over the last two years, you change your mind so much, I have no idea what time you are going to show up or not. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's break this down. Do we think that I was kind of fueling this a little bit? Maybe adding a little bit to the fuel? Yeah, probably. I was probably giving him a little fuel. I was certainly writing him back, um, trying to explain. And this is my way of trying to control him. Trying to control something that's outside of my control. And that is him getting it through his very thick Nimrod skull that he could actually understand what it's like to follow the schedule and follow the rules. I don't know why I put this down sometimes. Like I've told you guys before, I think I put it down because it just, it just makes me feel better. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel like I'm in control now. I'm telling you what to do in a nice way. I'm telling you what the rules are. And I'm telling you, like I'm trying to justify to a narcissist why I'm saying what word? Very good. N-O. No. I'm trying to tell him no. And so I feel like I have to justify it and over-explain. Now, emotionally, I have to say I was staying pretty calm and being somewhat amused during that email exchange. Then he writes back to me about 10 minutes later. Okay, to make it clearer, period. I'm trying to resume the regular schedule. I have not been able to do it over the last few years. I've had minimal income and a place to live. Every day is new to me on what is going to happen. <laughs> Excuse me, I don't have the COVID that I think anyways. Uh, that's cracking me up, obviously, to the point that I just choked on my wine. <laughs> isn't everybody every day is new to me and what is going to happen uh I think most of us live that way who understand that what things are not really in our control we may be able to predict some things or set a plan certainly that'd be lovely no but not Nim not this ex-husband of mine and not that I want to imply that I have more than one ex-husband and if I did That'd be okay, maybe in some ways. <laughs> uh, that'd be interesting. However, I'm just saying, I used to say my ex-husband, and I'm really wanting to split all of those ties. So I don't want to say he's mine anymore. He's 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 an ex-husband or uh, something like that. Um, so, okay, let me resume his email. So he says, I understand your agony. No, I really don't think so. But again, it's that pretend trying to be empathetic. Um, I think what he's really trying to say is um, he's in agony all the time. So he says, I'm trying, period, 
So, comma, I would like to go back to the schedule. I will be staying where I am at until the end of the summer. So I would like to be taking my weeks. I email you about that before. Do you understand? Question mark. He's starting to get testy, right, guys? Right? You can hear this. Like, um, and it's interesting because when the the week and before all of this uh, gobbledygook here, because of all the quarantine and the shutdown and the stay-at-home order and essential worker and different things like that, and Nim's line of work is an essential worker, but he told the girls that he would um, not be working. And I believe that he, you know, I've told you before, he doesn't, the man doesn't want to work. So what's it matter? So he, he's going to be not working. And um, the governor also issued a order that people could not be evicted from their homes for a while. And see, the weekend that before he had them, he had told Big B that he was actually going to be moving. And he uh, he even gave up one of his visitations that weekend um, because he was moving. Because remember his racial slur about certain people playing music too loud and smoking. And then when the girls went back, they said, why are you still here? And he said to them, uh, I can stay here now for quite a while because the... Um, because I, I can't get kicked out for not paying my rent for several months. So I'm going to stay here several months and just not pay. I mean, what a, it's just a piece of dirt. Just, it just disgusts me. And that's where I start popping off at this. Uh, I think, I, I think it's just, um, it's not socially responsible in many different ways, but it's typical of him. So uh, in this, I love, he says, um, so he'll be taking his weeks, the summer weeks, okay. And he says, I email you about that before. Well, I, I didn't get that, but do you understand? So, you know, he likes to email me about things and he thinks he writes stuff. And again, then he changes his mind. So now he's now it's escalating. Do you understand? Uh, I didn't write him back because there was nothing to say. And that's one of the things that I've learned is that I do not have to write back to that email and then say, Oh yes, Nim, I totally understand. Blah, 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 blah. But you know what happens when the, when the narcissists don't get a response right away, they get impatient, right? So, so then he writes to me about 15 minutes later, do you officially and legally have your seven day notice of change of schedule? Question mark. Unbelievable. You did not try to pull the stay at home on me last week and not let me see them at all. You had Big B all up about it. It's about time you sent her to a dermatologist. What took you so long? Oh my gosh, you guys. He was really, he's really challenging me to a duel, right? I mean, he's just waving that duel pistol up in the air. He's just, he's just, um, He's got his ascot all in a bundle. <laughs> he's so mad at me about all these things. Um, no, he's not telling me anything. So that's a problem. And he's not communicating. And I'm, uh, I didn't know he was coming. And of course, you guys, 
if the girls said, dad's coming, we're so excited, I would probably not have a fuss about this. Um, Just because they refuse doesn't mean that I go, oh, okay, don't count, don't go then. At this point, they're both trying to do their schoolwork and legitimately, we did not know he was coming to, to pick them up, you know, to stay the night. Um, and, and they need some advanced planning and they need some advanced warning on that. They, um, they have to do it differently and I'm not going to have to over explain that. Anybody who's listening to this podcast is going to totally get it. Right guys. Now this thing about the dermatologist is a low blow because what, you know what I wanted to answer back? Well, <laughs> why didn't you take her to a dermatologist? There's no, nothing illegal for him that he can't take her. He's unemployed most of the time, got all the time in the world could make the appointment, come pick up his kid, co-pay just a few bucks, take her with the insurance, go pay it, do all this stuff. But does he do that? No, I really wanted to pop off and fire back about that. But you know what? I didn't. I could have. And I would say if you called me up about it and was like, when, what do I do about this? I might've said to you, well, if you feel like popping off about it, ask him. And I think sometimes when we're trying to do things like um, gather things for going before a judge to help a judge understand the mindset of this crazy town person that we're dealing with, we might want to collect some more of this evidence for him to, or your person to, to be able to write something back. But do you think they do? <laughs> no, they don't, because I tried to set them up for something else. And you can see, he, sometimes they're too good. They don't, they don't fall into the traps. I mean, if I said that, what do you think he was going to say? It would just set it up for more arguments, more whatever. He, he, he wasn't going to be able to do anything that, he wasn't going to, pardon me, not do anything. He wasn't going to be a say anything that was going to make us feel super awesome. Okay. So that was that. Then I get an email from him. Uh, about a week later, entitled Thursday Visitations. Gwen, good morning. I wanted to let you know that Big B texted me last night about Thursday evenings being too stressful for her to come over. Okay, you want to know the truth? Actually, Big B was in my room crying most of the night because her dad was bothering her again and fighting with her again about... He's going to come pick her up and he's trying to arrange the visits through her. And he doesn't seem to separate anything. Oh, why? Duh, because there's no boundaries here. Let's keep going. She says she has too much schoolwork and doesn't want to drive back and forth. She has done this several times. She told me she will not come out to the car and knows I or the police cannot force her to leave. I know your ears are hurting at this point, guys, because the grammar is terrible, but we'll keep going. Both of them are very manipulative, and I know and know that they have no consequences. I apologize for their, T-H-E-R-E, actions and have tried to speak to them about it. I'd, just I-D, id, it'd like to share, it'd like to hear, H-E-R-E, your response and if there is anything you or us can do to change it. I'd like to know by tomorrow if they will both be coming or just little B. 
or if, T-H-E-R-E, not coming at all. I plan on picking them up Friday for the weekend. Thanks, Nim. Are you rolling your eyes just as much as I am? (laughs) Maybe you're chuckling. Maybe you're going, Gwen, girl, I know the same thing. I got the same bullshit I'm dealing with as well. Um... You know, he, he, he just, he can't get it, you guys. He just can't get it. Can he? Okay. Well, let's see what happened. Here's what I wrote back. Here's what I wrote back. I think it's some of my best writing, actually. I think it's some of the best writing. I think so many people <laughs> think this is good writing. Here's what I wrote. I know that B and B both have quite a bit of schoolwork and homework. That is legitimate and accurate. They are doing remote school. That means that they attend online classes from 8.45 in the morning to 3 o'clock each day with 40 minutes for lunch. Then after that, they have to complete assignments, study for quizzes, tests, and complete projects. Their remote learning is typical of other private schools and some of the public schools in this county. It is not like homeschool learning that is being done at other schools and counties that you are probably hearing about on the news, where parents and students are both given lots of assignments to help complete at their pace and causes a lot of stress. So, yes, the girls both have lots of studying on Thursday evenings because most of their tests and quizzes are on Fridays and they have to finish up projects and papers to turn in on Fridays. When anxieties and fussiness amp up the days or day leading up to your time sharing, I tell the bees respectively that they should talk to you about it because I cannot fix or change what happens at your house. That they have to go if you say so and use whatever coping skills they can. The anxiety is worse, I noticed, when it is during the school week, Thursdays, and coming back on a Monday morning. Big Me me told me she's going to refuse Thursday because she's got a lot of schoolwork. Brea says she wants to refuse Thursday because her period is very heavy and bleeding through her clothes and the night in her bed and her clothing and is worried about ruining all of your bedding. She's got two tests she wants help studying for. I cannot predict what either of the girls will do when you arrive. I don't know if they will refuse or not. I suggest you ask them. The alternative suggestions, considering all circumstances, that's a win-win for all three of you. Not all of us. I'm not in this group. Would I like some time to myself? Yes. Would I like to not have to feed and toilet paper and sanitize two kids for a night? Yes. So what's the win-win for all of you on Thursdays? I pointed out two things. You guys are going to like this, I think. Number one. Perhaps if you really want to spend time with them, pick them up at a set time that you have, like 5.30 or 6. Get carry out for dinner with them and sit and hang in your car and eat and chat for an hour or so Thursday evening. Now remember, I'm writing to you and I'm writing to him and we're talking about all of this during social distance and quarantine during the COVID era. They still need to eat dinner and you can all spend some time together and drop them back off and they can study homework and 
get to sleep at a decent time, or number two, have a calm, listening conversation as to why they are both anxious and perceive that they cannot complete homework at your house. Have you study and quiz them and prep them for tests, etc., and then fix those things. It's obviously up to you, and those are my suggestions since you asked. Just let me know what you all decide. You guys, of course, I think it's great because it's my own work, and I want to be a little narcissistic for a few minutes. I thought this was great. Here's what I did. Yes, I'm wordy. You know, I like to talk. I'm a wordy motherfucker sometimes, and that's okay with me. Uh, Yeah, when their anxieties are up, all of this, of course, B and B have not gone for a visit overnight on a school night in years. Part of it was because he just wasn't doing it. And the second one was because he was banned from the school uh, two school years ago. So they don't know how this rolls anymore. They're just not used to it. Um, and when he's telling them at 11 o'clock at night before, so on a Wednesday at 11 o'clock at night, first of all, the big B should be asleep by then. Um, and she should not be fighting with her dad over, uh, texting or the phone or however the hell they fight. Um, and little B of course is asleep by them, but, um, this is not the appropriate way to be doing it. And of course he never notifies me. He goes through them. So I bet y'all want to hear back what he has to say. Oh, um, so right. I, I wrote all that, right. And, um, and so I waited and I waited and then the next day at, oh, about noon, I wrote him back and I said, what did you decide about today? Let's see what I got back in the evening. I got back Gwen. I do disagree about it being up to me. (laughs) This is where I want to start popping off, you guys. We are the parents, and it's up to you to encourage them and tell them. Maybe you have. I do not know. They know they can refuse and get away with it. You have also confused me about asking and calling them about pickups. In the past, you have been furious that I try to do this with Big B without talking to you first. You even went to the extreme to take snapshots of mine and Bigby's texting on her phone. Now you're telling me to discuss this and decide by asking them? It's not up to them to decide and control. That is not right. We are the parents. I cannot drive all the way over there and not have them come out of the house or make a big big scene and stress them out more. I told them both I would pick them up Friday. Case in point. It's one thing to message your children and say, I'm coming to get you. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I'm not looking forward to it. You're an asshole. Whatever he wants to say to them. Arrange what they'd like to do. How are you feeling? Communication. No, he arranges through Big B. Time sharing. 
I'll be coming to get you. And he says such and such a time. And I never hear about it. And yes, I call his ass on it almost every time. There's a couple of times that I did not call his ass on it because I wasn't feeling good. And that doesn't mean I was in a bad mood or anything else. When I say I wasn't feeling good, I'll just say because I was in an autoimmune disease flare. And you can only do so much when you're in a flare. So let's continue. I would hate to have you discipline them by taking their phone or other things. You have tried to tell little B positive things. I don't see much of any stress when I pick them up and drop them off. I see little B feeding into you all the time or what you would like to hear. H-E-R-E. Her responses are far from the truth. Everyone is stressed over this virus stuff. It's horrible. I'm very stressed out over it. I'm trying to keep them busy and from fighting with each other. They both have a lot of anxiety. I will try to talk to both of them together and separately over the weekend. I already did this over break, but apparently it didn't help. I appreciate your quick response and concern about this, and I hope we can straighten it out. I will let you know what I think next week. Have a nice weekend. Ugh, don't you want to just vomit? Oh, all right. Let's continue with all of this and see how we're doing here. And then we'll, uh, there's some emails about summer visits squeezed in with all of this. It's too confusing for me to read it back to you. It's even too confusing for me when I was combing through all of this to prepare my podcast to tell you it's too confusing for me with that. So we'll just stick to one topic like, again, to stick to one topic at a time per email. This is how we have to slow down and do it for several reasons, mostly for you to keep your sanity and your documentation in line. So, Here's what he said. Gwen, I spoke again to the girls about going back to the original school schedule. This time it's a schedule, not a schedule. I do not see any reason for them to not do this other than to be rebellious and it issues an inconvenience for them. I explained to them the reasons why. They are upset with the virus restrictions and other issues. I cannot predict what they will or will not do. As I said in a previous email, they know they don't have to go, and there is not much we can do about it. T-H-E-R-E, again. I thought that asking you to move the weekly Thursday visit to a Friday would help, but you would not agree to that. You would have to encourage them or something to make sure they come. I do not want to drive over there and wait every time for them to come out if they choose not to. So, I would ask if you could email me between 2 and 3 o'clock on Thursday if you know what they are going to do. If not, I will just have to confirm that they didn't and hope for next week. Thanks, Nim. Boo-fucking-who. That was yesterday. (sighs) There's so much there to break down, isn't there? First of all, I gave him several suggestions about what to do. I think he obviously took number two, talk to them. Actually, I asked him to listen to them. Did he listen to them? No, he did not listen to them. Oh, and P.S. Now it's coming to me screaming back in all caps, most of this. Um, 
And you can hear his loss of control, all the loss of control about this in here. He can't predict what they're going to do. And he can't take the rejection, you guys. That's typical of a narcissist. He can't handle the rejection. You ask what rejection, Gwen? The rejection of pulling up here and his kid's not coming out. He needs to know ahead of time. And he's not, he's not really willing. And in my opinion, this is what makes me kind of want to pop off here is in my opinion, he's really not, um, well, let me say it another way. I feel like if he really was interested in what's the point of this? I mean, the point of this is for him to be spending most of the time with his kids, right? Um, but I think he has an ulterior motive and I'll tell you guys about that in a second. Um, but if the motive really was to continue to see his kids, to maintain a relationship with them, he would probably choose number one and number two. He would have chosen to come and get them, take them for a meal, hang out, and go back home. Now, if he was really concerned and he didn't feel like he was following all the the uh, the virus things, and sure, he's anxious. I think he's, he says he's anxious, but I, I think that's just a line of crap. Um, I'm sure he's probably anxious about a, a lot of stuff because his life is out of control and he's not controlling things. Um, I think he's sitting kind of pretty, but I think that he's anxious because his plan, his ulterior motive is not working. If he was just interested in having a relationship with his kids, I think number one wouldn't even really be an issue, but you know, they're teenagers. I mean, they they give me crap all the time about stuff. Uh, when I ask them to do things, uh, they want to sometimes be sneaky about, not getting certain things done. Um, they want to rest and have a sab have a Sabbath day, one day of the week and not go anywhere. Um, but I, I don't, I don't force them for certain things. This is not a forced situation. I parent from a position of a relationship, but I also ask them to do things that they don't want to do because I know that it is for their own good. Like, the kids don't want to get their homework done. Well, we know that it's for their own good that they continue to learn, learn to do what is required of them for schoolwork. It's not abusive or harmful to them. My kids don't like to go to the doctor to get a vaccine. My kids don't like to go to the dentist sometimes. Do I force them to go? Sure. Why do I do that? Because I know it's for their own good. It is better for them to go and have dental work done than to not. Or in my opinion, and from what I've researched, I'm okay with my kids getting vaccines. I know other people aren't. So you may say, that's off my list because I don't think it's for their own good. That's why I don't like this in their best interest. I think that's bullshit. Let's say what is for their own good. I'm going to be talking to you kind of like I'm a Gen Xer. Remember that. And so as Gen Xers, we were talked back a lot to, or not talked back to, I suppose our parents talked to us, again, as a Gen Xer. The balance of power got all crazy about actually who was doing stuff and running the houses and whatever, however. As a Gen Xer, our parents told us quite a bit, it's for your own good. 
it's for your own good. And, and that was that. Do I believe that it is for their own good that they go and stay with their dad overnight? No, I don't. Do I think it's for their own good that they have a relationship with someone who is incapable of having a relationship? No, I don't. I don't think it's for their own good. Am I telling you that I'm uh, going to break the law? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I just don't think it's for their own good. And this is why, as, as we look at this email, I'll flip back to it again here. He's getting really upset because it's it's not about engaging with them. You can see that here. It's not about engaging with them at all. Um, he views it for other issues to be rebellious and issues that it's an inconvenience for them. Uh, I don't, yes, they probably are being rebellious in essence of they are using their voice to say, no, this isn't for my good. It's not because it's for their inconvenience. I know what the problem is. Uh, they've spoken to me about it several times. I don't know when they went for that weekend, how much of the truth they spoke to him. I didn't broach the subject with them and, and they haven't said much other than Big B said she tried to explain to him. Um, and I got several messages from her over that weekend that she couldn't stand it anymore. She needed me to come pick her up. And then when I asked her what was happening, most of it was she was uncomfortable. She was hot. She was bored. Her dad was picking on her a lot because of her acne. Um, he was saying very rude and hurtful things and he was forming an alliance with little B and she is not used to that. He is flipped now. Little B is his favorite because she's lower maintenance. She knows how to just survive and stick to her stuff for two days. And big B hasn't really had to have the skills to do that or does it in a different fashion. Um, she doesn't sort of retreat into herself. She um, she gets very aggressive. And they were fighting quite a bit. And I know that this bothered Little B because I got a note about that. And when I get these texts, some of them I respond to when they're over there. And sometimes I let a little time go by. Most of my texts back are, I hear you. I understand. I understand that you're going through this. I hear that it's tough. What can you do at this very moment to make something better for yourself? What can you do to take care of you at this moment? What is it that you need? You know, to get them focused back on empowering themselves to take care of themselves and to distinguish between what is dangerous and what is uncomfortable. Okay, you need him to stop making fun of you. Well, you can't control that. What can you do in the moment? You can scream back at him and see if that works. Sure, fine, see if it works. You can ignore him. See if that works too. Don't let those thoughts and ideas go into your heart. However, I think, and I know what the deal is, um, and it may be like many of your kids, uh, Nim does not want to take the time because he feels like that time is his time and he wants to be extremely controlling of what happens during that time. 
So if he doesn't feel like studying with them because he's tired or he doesn't know things or he's stupid and doesn't understand shit, then he's not going to do it. And then when he doesn't know something, he criticizes it or makes it seem stupid or dumb. And that's where I know that uh, my kiddos are having a hard time right now. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our sponsor. When we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you what I think Nim is really up to. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit of a cautionary tale about don't pop off because uh, I don't want you to get sick. And I'm not talking about the COVID. I'm talking about autoimmune and long-term health problems from living traumatized and pissed off. Yay! And we're back. Here's what I think Nim is really up to. I think he really is trying to, once again, collect unemployment and uh, Social Security benefits. Nim tried to do this many years ago, actually, when he was living with Trixie. Uh, I think because she just wouldn't tolerate his not working uh, she tried to control him that way. It, you know, I've, I've told you in my tale of Trixie that I've really been, <clears throat> I felt really bad for a while. Like she quote unquote got him to do something I couldn't get him to do. Uh, it, it's nonsense. I think he was self-motivated at the time to have, have a job so that he could get custody back of the girls, get his time sharing back. And maybe to try to, catch a woman. I don't know. Maybe for, I think most, most women, heterosexual or bisexual women probably would like a man that has a job. It's probably just a biological thing, but I think we prefer a man that got a job. Maybe not. That's okay too. Uh, or uh, some kind of income coming in. Let's put it that way. So he tried this many years ago and he lied to several different government agencies, state and federal, that he um, had his children with him over 50% of the time maybe even full time. I'm I don't know exactly what it was, but it was enough over 50% that he got benefits, food stamps, medical insurance, and unemployment money, uh, social security disability, perhaps, I'm not sure. Uh, but he was able to get all of the full benefits for somebody in, in our state here who, ha who was himself and had several dependents who lived in the same household. And at the time that he was applying for all of this, he didn't even have custody back. Um, and then when he was living with Trixie and, and having the girls then for their regular overnights and everything else, um, he then, he did have them for that time, but he had them for less than 30% of the time in a, in a calendar year. And that's what they're looking at. Um, and he got caught, he got in trouble. Uh, he wasn't able to give and prove all the documentation that he needed to, 
And the last communications legally that I know about that is they, uh, a couple of the agencies required for him to give certain paperwork and he just didn't. And so they cut it off and they denied him any more funding in the future. What I think is happening now, because he continues to move around, I think because the virus hit, I think because it's easier now to be able to get unemployment and to get benefits, which it should be when the economy comes to a screeching halt, you shouldn't have to be able to prove very much in order to get some money to feed your family, to pay your rent to keep the lights on, the water, make sure you have what you need because your workplace said we can't operate business anymore according to the law. It may very well be that he was furloughed. Um, Of course, he's going to want to paint it into the most pitiful story ever, which is so interesting for a narcissist because they seek power and control. They feel like they have to be the ones on top, yet they will turn into the victim mentality faster than anything. And they will um, try to use the victim mentality to get other people to feel sorry for them as an effort to control. So what I believe is happening is that NIM needs to be able to document that the bees are going over to his house overnights. He never really stressed on this before. And the only time that he's ever really pushed it is when he's had to prove legally that they go over there because it's always about money. And we've talked before on the porch about my feelings about this, and and several of you have written to me your feelings about this. It really, it really is very tough um, to watch and and see this happening. It's very difficult to know that a lot of it is about money. It becomes this thing about value and possession and everything else. And Nobody likes any of that. Nobody wants to be feeling so devalued that it comes down to trying to figure out money about your kids. Um, so we're we're back at this we're back at this point again. And I think that because I gave him the suggestion of taking them to dinner and he won't even drive up here because he can't handle the rejection. And he's not saying if the girls don't want to come over here because they don't want to stay overnight and they don't want to study, blah, blah, blah. Again, it's all a game and it's a lot of power and control and it becomes exhausting. It really becomes exhausting. If any of you have an experience with the ex-narcissist and you feel like you're stuck in this, Please write me on the Instagram or please go to my website through the podcast. Feel free to leave me a voice message there. And again, remember, I don't play anything on 
on the air or on the podcast unless a few request. But I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on this and really how you're coping. What strategies are you using? I can certainly share them with our listeners and we're we're in this together. Remember, I'm not here to have all the answers. I'm here to share with you what I learn in Remember, this is this is like the Wild West. And right now, I'm feeling like for a lot of us, that can be to our advantage or worse, living in the COVID era. A lot of laws are changing. Um, I know that my parents popped off at me last weekend because they were looking at some laws and some rulings that were made in some counties around mine that were stating if a shelter-in-place order is made by the governor, then the parent that has more than 40% of the time-sharing for overnights is the one that the children stay with until the shelter-in-place order is lifted. Now, I live in one of the states that the governor has come under a lot of scrutiny, And I'm not going to be political here or share anything about that. That would definitely be for a different time and a different episode and probably even for a different podcast. However, this governor did not issue, it's not um, shelter in place, it's called stay at home. So my parents popped off at me that I should not be allowing them to go to see their dad. And I don't know how many of you have someone else in your life trying to encourage you to make things fair, to try to make things right in the Wild West, to try to find every single little thing that you can to take them away, to take the kids away. And that can't be what the name of the game is. That's only short-term stuff, and that'll get you into a lot of trouble. It'll get you into appearing like you are not willing to follow the letter of the law. And as I understand, a lot of judges who are in family law want to be able to trust that there is a parent who is willing to follow the law. Now, we know the narcissist is not willing to follow the law because, frankly, they're above the law. So it doesn't matter. And we have to work through that. We have to say, and what I got down to was saying to my parents, at this point, it's not going to be that Nim loses custody of the girls. That will only happen if he does something horrible to them and it is recorded. There is actual video and audio evidence of what he's done and that the court rules it bad enough for him to never be able to see them again. And my prayer is that that doesn't happen. I don't want that happening to my kids. Are they being mistreated and abused psychologically? Yes, physically, maybe sometimes. But nothing and some bad things have happened to my kids, but it's never been bad enough to permanently take away his parental rights. And that's not my job. I don't have that authority. The other thing that I find is he, uh, the other thing that, that could happen to get him to lose custody is for him to die. 
And we've spoken before how the COVID doesn't get anybody who's a narcissist or a sociopath. I think they just have a different set of immunities. And remember, the COVID-19 is a lot like a narcissist anyways. And if you feel like you want to hear some gallows humor about that, you can go back one episode and listen to me uh, pop off and, and have some fun about that. So that's what I think he's up to. And that gets me into now what I'd like to talk about for a little bit, and it's an important one. It may not be as entertaining, but I want to share with you the tale of the time that I fell down. And it was a night that was about, um, it had been actually a solid year that I had been trying to co-parent with Nim, and the girls were very little. They were three and five at the time. And it was the summer before the bad thing happened. So it was that summer. And it was probably right around the anniversary, actually, now that I think about it, of my freedom. And that's coming up pretty soon. I can't wait to do a a freedom podcast for you. And I encourage all of you to celebrate your your freedom uh, time, day, weekend, whatever. That'll be a really fun thing for us to talk about. But I had to pay alimony. I was ordered to pay alimony because, again, the law where I am is gender neutral, meaning that whoever was the quote-unquote breadwinner or earning money at the time um, had to pay either permanent or bridge alimony. And um, I'm glad I didn't have to pay permanent alimony. Luckily, it was bridge alimony, so it was for two years. And it really wasn't enough money for Nim to live off of on a monthly basis at all. It was just enough, though, that it was breaking me. It was just enough that I was working six days a week. It was just enough, and I was thankful at the time that I had enough business to keep me going six days a week. But I was living under such stress at the time because, and I've shared with you many of the crazy stories and on all of the really, really the games and the nastiness and the control and the psychological violence and psychological games that Nim instilled on me during that first year of breaking into my office, of, you know, stealing money out of my car and swapping it out, um, you know, all those shenanigans that, that he was up to. Um, but the worst part was watching my kids not handle it well, not having any communication with them when they would be at their dad's for time sharing. Um, him not complying with um, potty training for littlest B. Um, he just, he didn't, he couldn't do all of that. And, it, and I don't have to explain to you guys, it was very, very stressful. And I was scared. I was scared the entire time. And during that one year time frame leading up to this, um, the sheriff did confront and try to have several conversations with Nim. And in several conversations, and then one conversation from Nim's brother uh, through the sheriff was that um, Nim was bound and, bound and determined to kill me. He was bound and determined to see that I was in an early grave. And his plans were that he was going to stress me out enough that I would break. That either I would do something stupid enough to him that would then, or to the girls, that would then have me lose custody. But it was better for him, actually, if I was dead, because then in his mind, he thought that he could collect the Social Security money for the girls and he could live off of death benefits, life insurance policy, 
um, anything, any of those things, um, because he didn't want to work. And he was then, his next plan was to have me dead. And he told my, uh, told the sheriff that he was going to make sure that I was killed one way or the other. But we can't get this on record. He's not going to say this. I've reported this to several different people. So as many of you are listening, say, oh, what'd you do about this, Gwen? Bah, 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 bah. I did what I could, but of course, nothing. Uh, no protection came of that. Um, his brother informed me through the sheriff and actually through, through me one time as well, told me directly that, um, that when Nim's father passed, um, I know that the boys, all the brothers there stand to inherit, um, quite a bit of money. And Nim is always after trying to get his inheritance early because he needs the money now because he wants that not to not to be able to work. And he's one of the narcissists that feels like he's above working and that everybody else should be providing for him. Um, I remember when I was moving out and we were splitting the money and I was saying, you know, I had to buy all the stuff for the house and trying again to have to explain myself to a lunatic and feeling like I had to overexplain myself to get him to understand. And I remember his reply was something like, um, well, how come you had to pay for all that? How come your parents didn't just buy you everything? <laughs> because I was a 30-something professional woman who was married with kids and now getting divorced. It's not, it wasn't their job to pay for everything. But immediately, see, he went to his dad and he always saw his parents and his parents always bailed him out. They, they paid all his legal fees for all of his, all the times he got caught. They bailed him out for everything. And their solution was to just throw money at the problem. And sometimes I did benefit from that. I know that because he refused to go to work the second time I was on maternity leave, I know they, they gave me money, the same money that I would have made if I was working so that I could stay home a decent amount of time on maternity leave because they knew that he was not contributing. And, and that was beautiful. I feel like his parents are very generous in some ways, but there's also that codependency. And again, this is part of the making of a narcissist. Never ask them to be responsible. Never ask them to have to be uncomfortable with, with having to actually do things. Um, and again, this is probably the lower level narcissist, not that higher level one that's the in the elite or the elite ones in the elite positions they're getting their high and a lot of their fuel from earning a lot of money and it gives them their power and their resources um, but the lower level ones not not an elite narcissist but the ones who are just the average schmo probably you know a lot of them may be lost enough that they are fired so much from their jobs because they can't um, get along with other people in an appropriate way so this was Nim. And um, so so Nim said that when his father passed, that he would take that money and then have a hit put out on me. Well, welcome to the Wild West, right? So several times I would say this, and um, a couple people gave me some advice, and I'm not going to name names. Um, but, but their advice to me was um, learn, how, uh, learn how to operate a firearm, have one or two. And protect myself as best as I could. Uh, okay, that's an illusion of control, and that's great. Um, however, <laughs> and one person did say to me, I realize, though, that this is just a way for you to try to feel better. 
um, and feel a little safer out in the world. But let's face it, um, how am I going to see if a professional is going to put a hit on me? How am I going to find a professional hitman or a sharpshooter and shoot them first before they shoot me? I mean, that's just not going to happen. So I've had to make peace a lot with, with a lot of things. And I think that that's been good sometimes. And I think other times when I get really depressed, that's been to my detriment because I've been able to just kind of surrender to um, a failure to thrive, of not wanting to thrive, not being not being suicidal, not being actively suicidal, but just sort of surrendering to the idea that I may I may not live at some point. And um, and uh, luckily. Um, luckily my father-in-law or my former father-in-law is still, um, still alive. And I've told you before that one of the brothers passed. So there's a little more money available in the pot, perhaps. Um, you may ask, well, why did the brothers just change the will? Well, they wanted to, but for some reason, Nim's dad, I think doesn't sign off on it. I think he kind of feels bad. He always says he wants to write him out. Um, my solution to that was if you feel so bad about it, then why don't you just have that money go directly, not into a trust, because then Nim could have control over how the money is spent, but go directly to some money for the girls that only they have access to at a certain time or, you know, in the name of one of the brothers or whatever. So there's been some different things put on the money because, you know, the more that Nim has access to money, the more resources he can have, the crazier he can get. And then as he's um, been out there in the world interacting with people, he's made friends with people, people who are not such good people. And that scares me sometimes, too. So I knew that um, this was going on. I knew that this was a plan of his. And um, I had always thought, I'll be strong. I can do this. I can do everything. And one night I was so, so, I had a fever and I was so, so sick. My body was so riddled with so many different type of infections um, that I came home from work and the, the girls, the little, 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 little at the time, they were at NIMS that evening. And I, of course, I was working very late to earn as much money as I could to pay that alimony plus live. And... um and I fell down. I literally fell down on my living room floor. I lived in a very, we lived in a nice little, small, cute little place. It was great. Um, and luckily I was on the phone with my parents talking to them. I remember struggling to try to get a baseball game turned on and, um, and fell down. And luckily they heard and I said, I've, I'm fallen and I can't get up. They were my lifeline, my life lock. Um, And I just laid there. And the sheriff drove about an hour and came and helped pick me up and get me into bed and stayed the night on my couch. And then the next day we called my doctor and he took me to the doctor. And and I was so riddled with infection that at the time my my physician said, um, you know, we're going to give you antibiotics for some stuff. You have to take a whole week off. I thought, oh, my goodness, a whole week off. So I took a whole week off, and you guys, I didn't get any better. Some of the infections cleared up, but most of them didn't. And do you know what I was doing during that week off time? Still had a fever, so, so sick, 
stupid, stupid. I just wasn't taking care of myself. And then after um, I was, I was fretting, I was, I was not just resting and trusting in God and resting in God's presence to try to get my body to heal. I was still trying to email with men and keep track of the bees. And because it was summer, they would be there for a week at a time and I wouldn't hear from them. And it was so very stressful and just calling my parents several times a day. Da, 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 da. Um, this was really hard. So the sheriff came to stay with me for a couple of days to help calm me down and to make sure that I would get, get that rest. And then a week later, I still was not better. And I developed, um, interstitial cystitis, which is an, a disorder of the bladder that's an autoimmune. So what happens is the, the bladder um, starts to wear away its own lining. And you can read your, all your own stuff about autoimmune. It's basically when your body is attacking itself. Well, why would your body do this, you ask? <laughs> well, there's a lot of different theories out there. And right now, a lot of people are having a hard time with science and medicine and believing this and believing that. And so I'm just going to tell you sort of what I learned after going through Eastern and Western medicine to try to solve all of this. Um, I was put on bed rest for six weeks. Six weeks, you guys, six weeks. That's over a month. That's a whole alimony payment that I was going to get behind. Not paying your alimony is a big deal. Not paying your child support is a big deal, I know. But not paying your alimony is a big deal. And I was not going to let that happen. Um, so I sold all my jewelry that I had. Um, I sold it all. Not really pawned it. I just had it all. I just, everything went. Um, I decided to still keep my wedding ring um, for some reason, if in case the bees wanted it at some time, um, had some different diamond, diamonds on it and stuff. I, I'm not sure. I still have it. I may, I may hawk it again if I need some money here. Um, but anyways, the price of gold was pretty good at the time. So I was able to, I got rid of all my jewelry and actually Nim had most of it. And, um, his, his father and brothers talked him into, sending it back to me and he refused to do that but he sent it to his father and his brothers all separate pieces of jewelry and then they all sent it to me because they said that's my jewelry and his thing was that he bought it for me because remember I left with just diaper wipes or no sorry I left with the diaper bag going out for diaper wipes so I, I had nothing um when I, when I left and I got nothing really from the, um, from my settlement and that's okay. That's okay. Um, and, and you can hear me saying that's okay. I'm not angry about it anymore. One of my very good friends, um, B who, who you heard on the podcast, um, I know that she, she left and left a lot of the furniture and possessions in, in her home when, when she had a divorce and she said to me, you know what, Gwen, you can just you can just start over. You can get new stuff that doesn't have a lot of memories attached to it. Get the stuff that you like, not the stuff that he wanted. Get the cute stuff for your girls that you want to get for them. Decorate your place like you would like to decorate it. And that made me feel so good that, you know what, 
and stuff that he was trying to take away from me and let me not have anything, I had at that time enough money to be able to buy the things that I wanted to. And, and it was great to be able to get what I wanted to for them and, and have what I wanted. And that, that felt really nice. Um, and then I, I was on this bed rest for six weeks and I learned finally, I learned how to relax because you know that living with a narcissist and I realized that it wasn't that I was traumatized for a year. I was traumatized for years. I had to stop being able to care for myself in a marriage with a narcissist. My body had been abused in many different ways in the marriage. And at the time that I left NIM, I was hemorrhaging, and most of you know that. And so things just got worse from there. It didn't get better. It got worse because I wasn't handling the stress better. Now, you you may ask, well, Gwen, what are we supposed to do? Like, what could you have done during that year that you would have done differently? Here's what I would have done. I would have taken the time that the bees were away from me, and I truly did not have any control. Like, the bees, sometimes they needed eye drops or ear drops because they had an infection. And when you have a two-year-old or a three-year-old and trying to get that, it takes two people. And if you're only trying to do it with one person who has no patience and is extremely controlling, they could get hurt. And so I thought that he and I could agree. And he did at one point say to me, sure, I'll meet you, you know, at a certain place. And we can work together real quick to just get the drops in and then go. And he wouldn't show up. And it was just torturous to me. I mean, it just really chewed me up inside. It made me sick. It literally made me sick. It made my body start to have too much of bad chemicals that are only meant to be there for short periods of time after a trauma, not to live in a long time with this. And your body has different ways of reacting and different parts are going to carry different stress. One of the things I would have done was I would have really taken the advantage of the time that I had when I didn't have it to learn how to meditate and relax and do some yoga and keep up with exercise. And friendships really helped, but probably like most of you, I had lost most of my friends. They got tired of me making excuses, not going out anymore. I was cut off from most people. I think just the most part that I would have done was not get myself emotionally sick inside over something that I could do nothing about at that moment. So I could sleep and so my body could get the rest that it needed in order to keep me going. And so I've been at this game now for, it'll be 11 years divorced uh, this summer. However, now I'm 10 years with an autoimmune disorder and it makes life a million times harder because the fatigue is bad and the pain is bad. And it's hard enough to co-parent with a narcissist and a sociopath, as you know, being a healthy person. But most people actually who come out of these types of marriages come out with not just mental health issues, but also physical health issues. And most of the time it is 
an autoimmune disorder or something like a fibromyalgia. Um, and I really don't want that to happen to you guys. Anybody who I meet to talk to, I say, they say, you know, advice, what do you give? And then I say, you've got to be able to work through. And I think the thing that's the most poisonous, it's not just the trauma because sometimes we can't help but have that traumatic reaction, but we can help ourselves to relax a little bit more after our brain senses the danger, after our brain senses this is dangerous, this is going to be threatening. We have to reset ourselves and convince ourselves that at that moment, we are safe. Your children may not be, but they're not in your presence. And unless if you can get somebody, and I tried, I tried doing well checks and different things, and all I would get back was, they're alive. But there wasn't anything else that could be done. But I think, again, the most toxic piece is the anger. It is maddening. It, it, it use People say, it makes me sick. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. It makes me sick. We're disgusted. Well, that's all your internal organs hearing that and feeling that. And it, turning it into somatic things, turning it into body stuff. And from Eastern medicine and Western medicine together, and through lots of work, I discovered that, or my theory is that I had an angry heart. And my heart was so angry, but it was righteous anger. It was justified anger. But I was so angry because more angry things kept happening and more angry things kept happening. And I kept getting angrier and angrier. And I thought I was letting it go. I thought I was letting it flow through me, but it wasn't. It was stuck in my heart. And in some West, sorry, Eastern medicine practitioners feel that something that's going on in your heart flows through and empties into your bladder. Hmm, interesting. An angry heart dumps all its toxic stuff into your bladder. My bladder was wearing away. Thank God my heart was not wearing away. You know, we can kind of just sit with that for a moment. I had an angry heart, and that was my job then. If I wanted to get healthier, if I want to feel healthier, I have to get rid of my anger. And I think getting rid of anger has a lot of pieces to it. One of the biggest pieces for me was to, first of all, surrender to the fact that I was not in control of any of this. And that's where my faith and my growth in a spiritual practice comes in. You know, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I believe that The, and the Holy Spirit, I believe that the Trinity, the all three in one, God is here to help me through this. And I believe that he will. But the moment that I take my eyes off of that and stop believing is like the story in the Christian gospel of a time when one of the apostles, Peter, is walking on water. As soon as he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to sink. You know, please help me. And, and, and Jesus is there and immediately puts out his hand and God pulls him out, you know. And so I would do okay and my anger would flow through me and I would feel okay with the idea of not being in control of the outcome. 
And that was one of the things that I had a, a wise friend of mine, we would talk about a lot, about not being in control of the outcome. And that's where uh, I think a big rift started to happen between my mom and I, because she she wants to have control over a lot of this, and she has a lot of anger inside, and she has she has a lot of anger anger toward me, and then we have to talk about forgiveness, and then we have to talk about all these other things too. But for the most part, I have to say that to solve anger, so you're not popping off at everything, or have a quick pop off, and let the emotion flow through you. Don't let it stay in your heart. Don't have an angry heart. Don't don't walk around with an angry body. Because I learned that anger does not keep you safe. Anger is just an indicator that something needs to change. Well, no, duh, something needs to change. But I can't change him. I could go underground. I could decide to not live under any type of government ruling authority agreement and just go. But since I chose not to do that, I... I have to say, I am not in control of all of this, and I am not in control of the outcome. And I have to trust in something of the outcome. And that's where I think if you have trust that something will be okay. And that's where, you know, I shared with you for a while, I just decided to trust that the sun was going to come up and the moon, and there was day and there was night, and there was day and there was night. And I could trust and depend on that for a while until I really started to develop my own relationship with God and really understand that what God is here and what God is about and those, why does God allow bad things to happen and and wrestle with all of those questions. So wrestling with all of that, but again, anger doesn't keep us safe. Worrying doesn't keep us safe. It's the behaviors that we take from those things that keep us safe. So right now living in the COVID era, we can see, if I sit here and just worry about not that I might get the virus, just worrying about it, that doesn't keep me safe. But if I have to get food, I can make choices that will keep me safer. Choices that will keep me safer. One of the campaigns that we have in going this state is safer at home. It's not safe at home, safer at home. So the anger that I have is not going to keep my children safe, but I hung on to the anger a lot because I felt that if I wasn't angry, I wouldn't be able to have energy or propel to fight for my children. So instead of anger, we have to switch that out with assertiveness. And assertiveness has wisdom and is smart and doesn't look aggressive and doesn't look crazy. It looks calm, cool, collected with style and grace. And my friends, that's what we need when we have to try to convince or go in front of an authority who can do something about all of this. We need to look calm, cool, collected, and have style and grace. Not be angry. Because when we're angry, people only hear the anger. They don't hear your message. They start to get defensive and get themselves backed up or ready to pop off at you. So those are my best recommendations about how to work through it. But please, take care of yourself. Work and learn how to listen to your own needs and what you need. And do your best to make that happen. And in this COVID era, I know it's tough. But again, when you're afraid, what is the narcissist going to do? He or she is going to hurt the children. They're going to tell them this. They're going to convince them of that. They're doing these things. They're breaking the rules. It's not fair. And you're ready to pop off at this and pop off at every stupid email that you get and pop off at all the angry tales and things. 
fine, pop off again. Let the emotion flow through you. It's an indicator that something needs to change. I'm angry. Or it's your fight or flight mechanism going off because something is dangerous. And we have to stop and take notice. In this modern world, we have to stop and take notice. Is there a saber-toothed tiger that's about to devour me? No. Is there a, a car headed to hit me? Am I standing in the middle of the street? No, that's not what's happening. Okay. Then we've got to take it down a few notches. And we have to say, then what can I do at this moment? And that was one of my biggest things to come around to. So I have to tell you guys, as I get healthier, I feel better and it's easier to be assertive. It's easier to have this stuff. These things that come from NIM when they're intrusive and annoying or when I know the summer schedule is coming now and I have to negotiate all of that. Um, I... Uh, when I know that, that that's that's the, the game and that's what's happening, then um, it's part of something that happens in my life. It becomes like the pesky fly that the sheriff was talking about. It's not my whole thing. And your kids are going to learn some really great skills about how to keep themselves safe, about coping. You're going to teach them about what love really is. And as they get older, you're going to explain more and more things to them. You're going to try to help heal some of the damage. But, and as I was watching Afterlife by Ricky Gervais, and I was watching season two, I'm very excited. Um, I think it's a great one if you need to wrestle with things about grief and you um, can like or can handle some dark humor because he laughs at things that are, are serious. He laughs at those things and that's what you have to do. And, and in the, one of the episodes I was watching today, he said, everybody's got baggage and everybody's got issues. It's just what makes us normal in a way. And I loved that. And so I think sometimes our parenting gets a little out of whack where we want to protect our children from everything. But the idea is to help pick them up when they fall down or when something's bad happening to them, we do our best to help and protect them. And then we teach them how to heal. So you work on your resiliency so you can teach your kids how to be resilient. Because until those custody rights are taken away, our kids have to go kind of swim with the sharks and they're going to learn how to do it really well. And the best lesson they're going to get, and I feel like my kids are going to get, is I teach them not codependency, not all these things. They are at very low risk of ending up with a narcissist. Didn't say they won't. I said they're at a lower risk than I was at ending up with a narcissist. And that makes me feel pretty good that there's a lot of long-term gain from these things. Um, so lastly, I just want to leave you with those thoughts about how I have been getting better in the last, last maybe two years, and it's not consistent. And one of the things that I've had to learn is that there is going to be some inconsistency with the getting better of an autoimmune illness but what I have been doing and what's been helping me be better is to establish my own life first. I am a human being. I identify as a woman. And as I say, I am a child of God. And that's where I have to start. I am not someone's ex first. I am not someone's mother first. First, I am me. 
And then after that, then I can move more into places of being a mom, of being a worker, of being a daughter to my parents, um, things like that. But first and foremost, I am me and I am a spiritual being. And I start with those things, my body, my spiritual work with that. The other things that have been helping me a lot is fostering good relationships. And it's been really, really scary. But I've been fostering good relationships and that definitely deserves a podcast of its own. And that's been scary, but it's been so rewarding after a while coming out of great positive interactions with friends or a date or even having the courage to chat a little bit with a neighbor. It gets you out of your head. It helps you feel a little more normal. Get a lot of serotonin by positive interactions with people. I live in the Sunshine State. Um, I can be out in the sunshine. I'm like a plant. I need water and I need sun. And the other thing is movement. And I've really been embracing this idea of movement for joy because our bodies are built to move. And that's a great way to get rid of the anger, emotions, and toxic chemicals that build up is to get out and move. But I understand not everybody can do that. And there's been points, you guys, that I've been bedridden for weeks or for months. I get it. But even in the bed, when you feel a little bit good, you can wiggle your toes or wiggle your nose, or your eyebrows, or whatever doesn't hurt at that moment. And if everything hurts at that moment, don't worry about it. But as you start to feel better a little bit more, and you're not bedridden for days on end, but maybe you're only housebound, and you can move around a little. But restorative rest is so important. Work on clearing your mind. Work on escaping to great places in your mind. And the other thing that I have found is being creative really kind of adding to making this world a better place, not through codependency, not through being overly helpful, but just (coughs) adding creation where I can, creating and cultivating. And those are some things that I think we can think about and mean different things to all of us. So you guys, I have talked so much, but thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the first part of the episode of Laughing With Me with Nim's crazy emails. (coughs) And I hope that you have gotten some encouragement and maybe some wisdom for you to think about how to move forward with grace and style and most importantly, really good health. Okay, until next time, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon, friends. Thank you.